Yo, welcome back to the 100 Greatest Comic Books of All Time. It's Pat and Sean back at it. Yo. We have some breaking fucking news. We just learned how to edit audio <laughs> in a podcast, guys. It's fucking huge news. Oh, we yeah. We found out that, uh, was it, you only get one gig of converting? Only one gig, because we got to get these MP3 files. And we so were we at can get what? get you on Spotify. We were at 1.07. Fucking bull. <laughs> Shave, you know... But we shaved off one book, so we're just going to retouch on that today. Yes. And if you hear a little bit of a glitch at the end of the second episode for this series, just fucking forget about it, all <laughs> right? It's the first time we edited something. The rest of these have all been straight off the fucking top. Yeah, So man. Be happy for us. Be happy. Sean's, Sean's figuring this shit out, <laughs> dude. He's the engineer of the decade in my book. Yeah, man. Fuck Jamie and Joe Rogan. <laughs> It's Sean and Pat, and we're on Spotify too, bitch. All right? <laughs> so guess what, Joe? We're coming for you. Fucking JRE, dude. Dumb motherfuckers. Hey, you know, Joe does his thing. We'll do ours. Yeah. We just have a couple less scientists. <laughs> couple. But we know some scientific facts as well. That's why we discussed EpiPens and adrenaline needles. Yeah. Addressed in episode three, now live on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to jump back in. We did cut number 77 from our last show. So we're going to start there. Uh, 77, The Phantom Lady. Um, I think we were talking about in the last one. It's basically another book that just has a bunch of issues that got brought up through Seduction of the Innocents. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a super pulpy front comic. It kind of leads way to more female superheroes or just female-led comics in general, I guess. But I mean, yeah. she's got a rope on the cover. She's got a sick rope on the cover, but this one's more tied up because in the 50s, everything had to be bondage related. <laughs> if it wasn't bondage, they were like, get it the fuck out of here. Yeah. This is too PG. I don't want that. I want it to look like a semi-sexual cover, but it's a book for kids. Pretty much. That's. <laughs> I mean, it's not a horrible idea because I'm sure a bunch of kids bought it. And then some adults. And I'm sure a <laughs> lot of very creepy adults as well. I think the best part about this book, though, is the main villain is the Soda Mint Killer. Yes. I have no idea what the Soda Mint is. I assume it's a soda, like a <laughs> soda shack. I mean, it's a pretty diabolical name. The yeah, soda that's kind Mint of the killer. shittiest, like, you're the like, soda shop killer. What, do you maybe, just kill children? Dude, I think he jams Mentos down their throat and then dumps Diet Coke down there. Holy Boom. fuck. What ha- <laughs> Has anyone done that? Just Mentos in the mouth with Pop? Uh, What's that? Dude? Well, I remember the there was always the pop rocks. And pop coke. rocks and coke kills yeah. you immediately. <laughs> Everyone, that's a fact. That's a fact. That's essentially just poison. That's one th- theme I like that keeps coming back on this threads and dreads is like schoolyard rumors. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> that's basically what I have based most of my mentality in life around oh, is yeah. just things that a kid that I perceived to be smarter than me told me one time twenty years ago. So it has to be true. Yeah, I'm that like, was the internet back then, which is what it, you heard on the schoolyard. It's true. We were just talking about this, um, me and a friend, about how in the 90s they used to portray the internet. So in movies like Hackers and Weird Science, where you're just like, what are you doing on here? Why are you just in a coding screen the entire time? This uh, is not how... basically what it is. It. I feel like they didn't know what the internet was even for. So yeah. they were just like... Do you think you could create a woman on it? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that sounds good. And they're like, can we just hack NASA right real quick? And they're like, Angelina Jolie could. That's right. But um, enough with internet talk. We're in early comics days. That's right. 
So this book, what, 40s? Uh, yeah, 19, let me try and find a date, 1940s. So golden age, it's kind of still in that weird, shitty time that comics are going to evolve yeah. like 10 times before we get to the modern age of comics. It's a very cool cover. De- I mean, aside from the lasso and everything, it definitely had an influence on Wonder Woman. You can just tell oh, from looking wh- at it. Oh, a thousand percent. The woman on the front even has a red and blue costume. She's got the rope. She's got dark hair. Yeah. It is Wonder Woman just in a way more sexual connotation. So check it out, you know, Phantom yeah. Lady. If you have uh, $7,000 in <laughs> 2004 and have sat on that waiting for inflation, then you can buy this fucking book. In mint? In mint. Near well, mint. 9.2. Okay. We're not going to go full mint. No, full mint. It basically doesn't exist. Uh, so on to 76, the fabulous furry freak brothers. Oh, yeah. So this is our first what I consider underground comic. It's yeah. As far as that scene with with Arkham and all those cats, it's definitely paved the way. That San Francisco, you know, cool kind of psychedelic vibes with the comic books. It, it was genius. Yeah, this seems like the first time people who were drawing comics were like, "Oh, we're also gonna openly say we do drugs." Yeah, like I, I believe they talk about this comic in that movie I was telling you about, Comic Book Confidential. Okay, and um, yeah, I mean these <laughs> these three like hippie type characters getting all sorts of shenanigans, and obviously. It, you know, there was no comics code involved with with these books. Yeah, because they were just... They did whatever they wanted. And who was... Were they getting published by just whoever... Like, random small publishing companies? Because I can't... At this time, there was the comics code. Yeah, I think it was it was literally independent. They did this all on their own. I'm sure there were some, you know, uh, angel investors. Yeah, I'm sure some... Well, and a lot of this art... You think about original R. Crumb pieces now, who came from that same time period... And a lot of these OG, more psychedelic, underground comic scenes where it has that grimy kind of look. Because this had to have been the beginning of almost Mad Magazine. Well, and people, you know, so I'm a big fan of the 60s and psychedelic culture. And Grateful Dead's like my favorite band of all time. Um, Cool. I love John Mayer. (laughs) Dude, John Mayer. Johnny John Mayer, Grateful Dead. That's all I know. (laughs) But what's great about that era is, you know, talking about, you know, well, who made these books? Who, who, Who was paying for this? A lot of the times, you didn't know where the money was coming from. I mean, people were just like, oh, this is psychedelic and cool. Let's dump money into it. I mean, Warner Brothers signed the Grateful Dead. They didn't know what the hell they were getting themselves into. You know? Yeah, and I think they kind of, especially back then, you almost had more plausible deniability on the fact that if someone started doing something or was going against your company's ethos or whatever you want to call yeah. it, they could just be like, well, I didn't even know. Because <laughs> there's no internet. There's nothing to really communicate that. They could have brought in one, one comic or Dad brought in one song to Warner and was like, here's our song. And they were like, this is perfect. Yeah. Not knowing that everyone in the entire band the ent- whole time or drawing the comics is completely ripped out. Completing some of that money. I mean, it's, it could have been drug money. You never know. Cause oh, especially with, um, well, with the dead, you know, the guy that made LSD for them basically yeah. like paid for their entire sound system. Well, what was his name? Billy? That's, Goat? Al- that's Owsley. Owsley. Owsley Stanley. Didn't he have a nickname though? Wasn't it like bear? Bear. Yeah. So that's and that's the whole dancing bears thing and everything, uh, which is now making buku bucks via Chinatown. Well, and honestly, it's I think the big thing with that is I don't think the Dead ever copyright any of their their logos. Logos. Oh no, they they own they they own oh, all yeah. of them. I mean, I would yeah, it's all like like Grateful Dead is like an incorporated okay. Which, <laughs> well, I was always under the impression that there might be like a free use clause on it. 
because of the fact that so many people are able to There are to, a lot of bootlegs. I think a lot of times they just, a lot of the times they just kind of turn the other cheek as long as no one's like becoming a millionaire off of it. Okay. Like, they definitely have a deal with Chinatown because I like the Grateful Dead Instagram account will Yeah. Advertise for Chinatown and <laughs> all the time. So John Mayer, the leader of Grateful Dead. I don't Dead, know if John Mayer's getting any of that money. But I, John you know. Mayer gets all the money because <laughs> everyone's body is a wonderland. That's right. And he knows that. I, you know, you know, bodies, dollar signs. It, same thing. I, to me, I just love making fun that John Mayer is the lead singer of yeah. The Grateful Dead. Oh, yeah. If you because it's so funny to me that the corniest human being at one point, now everyone's like, you know what? He wears a lot of visvim, and he's in the <laughs> dead now, and he's really good. He's not that bad. And you're like, twenty year or ten years ago, that dude sucked. Oh, absolutely. But you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But in in my personal opinion, anything that is keeping the Grateful Dead alive and well, I'm okay with it. I, I'm sure everyone. There's not a lot of complaints coming from people actually being able to go to tour again. Exactly. It's and fun. it's the fun. Yeah. It's a community aspect. It's it's fantastic. But fabulous Freak Brothers, do you love that Arkham, that underground indie style? Oh, 100 percent. And honestly, in 2004, only at 300 bucks, which I kind of felt was not a ultra crazy price range for it. Not crazy. No. Um. Next, we're gonna move on to number 75. The Swamp Thing, number one. So, I fuck with Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um, I've always thought Swamp Thing was really cool. I loved the short-lived DC show that they had on their DC streaming service really? for it. It was really good, but they kind of fucked up because they basically made a real swamp in a sound studio. And then shortly after, realized it takes a lot of time and money to upkeep a swamp inside a building. <laughs> so I think they were just like, you know what? Let's get rid of the swamp and the show. Yeah. But I'm making a comeback now that uh, Justice League Dark has really taken off. People fucking love John Constantine. They love all the occult stuff that's going on. So I think Swamp Thing's kind of getting his time in the spotlight. So is this the original book? Because I know that he kind of got revamped in like the 70s. Yeah, this is, let's see here. Let's get a fucking date. For those of you that don't know Swamp Thing, he's basically the creature of the Black Lagoon. Uh, Those universal monster movies from the 40s definitely have a big influence on that. Yeah, he's more, but he's more plant-based than... More plant-based. Isn't the creature of the Black Lagoon kind of more of a fucking lizard guy? Nah, he looks a lot like Swamp Thing. (laughs) He does look a lot like... Well, there's also... I'd say he's more amphibian frog. Yeah, he's more amphibian frog, where Swamp Thing, I feel like, is a little more plant-based. But there is a Marvel... Marvel has a bootleg of Swamp Thing that I want to say is called Man-Thing? Oh, it is Man-Thing, because that was the big joke. You know, they had the giant-sized comic books? Yeah. There was one, you know, it was giant-sized (laughs) Man-Thing. And when you say that out loud... Which is awesome. just sounds Great title. (laughs) Whoever... Whoever created Man Thing definitely was like, I'm just going to write it till we get to the one giant size issue. Giant size. It's like a guy who was like, we're just going to write the comic till we can get it to 69, and then I don't give a fuck after that. I just want to have the joke. But, yeah, I always thought that was so funny that Swamp Thing, Man Thing look exactly yeah. the fucking same, and no one cares about Man Thing in Marvel. I think it was actually... Um... <coughs> Alan Moore that did a Swamp Thing. Alan Moore was the one who I think did that revamp of Swamp Thing to make it darker because I believe that's when Swamp Thing went under the Vertigo imprint. Uh When when DC started, everyone started edging more into 
mature comics. So you had Joe Casada setting up Marvel Knights over at Marvel in the early late nineties mm-hmm. type era. And I'm I a think, big fan of his cake. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh that's when DC started doing Vertigo because I started switching over all sorts of brands that they thought could be a little more mature. Yeah. And tell those stories. And they started seeing people who are a lot older buying comics and realizing those people actually have expendable income. It's not a fucking little kid who's hoping to get $20 and figuring out even in 1999, what are you going to get three comics for 20 bucks? Maybe four if you're lucky. Yeah. So it's like, I think they were leaning more towards the people who had money and were like, fuck yeah, dude. And they have to, you know, the comic book business in the industry has always been done a good job of evolving. They do a good job at that. And I think they also realize that, yeah, they have all these long-term lifelong fans. I'll never forget being fucking maybe 11, 12 years old, going into our local Carol and John's and seeing my fucking friend's dad, who's a goddamn neurosurgeon (laughs) in there picking up his file while I'm picking up my collecting the comics that have come out through the month that you read. And it's like, dude, we're on the same page. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, do you read Teen Titans? And he's like, no, I read art comics, you fucking buffoon. <laughs> I'm a doctor. And I was like, oh, cool, cool, yeah. Well, that's, I'm reading Teen Titans. Talking about dope. this Swamp thing, and this is actually a great segue into our next comic, which oh, is I was gonna say, number 74. Number 74. Watchmen number one. Boom. One of the biggest comics, I would say, especially in the last few years, just because of excellent movie done by... Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yes. And I would say some of his best, because he gets a bad rap, but I think he did a good job with I think, uh, Watchmen. I think Watchmen from Zack Snyder is super solid. I totally get that. Spoilers, if you haven't read Watchmen, that they had to cut parts like the giant squid thing. They, they changed it up a little they bit. They changed it up. But, but it was the same message. Same message, and honestly, pretty true to the actual story. Like, There's definitely scenes ripped straight from panels, essentially. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff they changed was clearly based on you're not gonna have a giant squid attacking the city with a fucking pirate ship and like watchman has the luxury of having all these issues to have these extra storylines going on yes this is one of 12 i believe yeah Yeah, 12 book run did you end up watching the new hbo series I, i did it took me a while i finally sat and watched it and it is fabulous you guys should definitely check it out um watchman on hbo max because i haven't seen it it's now, my understanding, it's a sequel in it's, a sense. Yeah, so um, it takes place in 2019. Okay. And, um, yeah, you see some characters be- come back. I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but it's, it does a very good job of just bringing back some of the it's stuff. It's all the dead the characters book. come back to life, guys. <laughs> not, Spoiler not alert. Not quite. Not quite. It's, but it's – just check it out. Yeah, I don't even want to say too much about it. But Watchmen number one, you know, we were just talking about Alan Moore. He kind of changed comics in general. Um yeah, I think it's it's pretty amazing. I think Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman yeah. both kind of came in, I want to say similar times. Yeah, I mean, that 80, early 80s, you know, they had been writing comic books. Yeah. This is when they started getting a little more serious. And know? I think that's when, um, the especially the big two, Marvel, DC, were like, hey, let's get some better stories in here that aren't just so surface level or just very clear parodies of, hey, the X-Men is a you know 
allegory for racism. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so in your face that if you don't see... I figured that out and explained it to a librarian when I was in third grade. <laughs> that I was like, see, you get it? X-Men are mutants. That's like non-white people. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, no shit. I j- you just told me the name yeah, of the Yeah, no book. kidding. This guy's out. blue. I'm not yeah. blind. <laughs> You're like, he's not a white guy. His name's Kurt Wagner. <laughs> Kurt Wagner. Um... All right, but honestly, I think I've never actually read all of Watchmen. I think oh, really? I read the first one. Um, well, I will tell you because we did I, just because we mentioned the Snyder film. Since you've yeah. seen it, it, there is so much in there that is panel for panel. That's exactly. word for word. It's and that's what I, that's what I thought was so cool about it. And I think it was the first time. I think that's where everyone got super big on Zack Snyder too. Yeah, and hoping that he could take on these bigger projects, and then Watchmen. No one gave a fuck about, I feel like, when the movie was getting made. Yeah. It wasn't all this studio interference where it wasn't a super popular title. I actually wasn't even familiar with it at the time. It's it was a popular title for deep comic fans. Yeah. But regular people weren't ultra aware of it, other than maybe the smiley face with the fucking blood drop on it. Yeah. That everyone's just like Every hipster to be like, yeah, I'm a jean dude. jacket. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, my denim vest. I have a smiley <laughs> face pin with one drop of blood because I'm a bad motherfucker. <laughs> and everyone's like, sick, dude. And then hits his Rick and Morty vape pen. Hits his Rick and Morty vape pen and puts his Joker mask back over his <laughs> his uh, Joker safety mask back over his face, so we know he's really cool. So guys, but if you haven't read Watchmen, YouTube Pat, you definitely check out too. Because I was talking about Dave Gibbons on the last episode and what he did with Green Lantern. His artwork is just awesome. It's so and he does the artwork. He does the artwork okay. on Watchmen. And you just the way he draws the, the heroes, and I don't know, it's it's very soft. It does have that Silver Age vibe that we were talking about, yeah. but still feels modern. It's terrific. And I think stories like that where they don't have all these big characters from DC that you know can be more isolated and have a more timeless feel to them yeah. because you don't see those characters now. Like You can tell when Batman looks old because you're like, yeah, I just saw a drawing of him from 2020. So this one from... 1999 looks like it was it might as well be a fucking cave drawing yeah you're like who drew this a child and you're like no this is called stylized and yep. you're like no i don't like it oh my god that's a whole nother conversation you know the direction artwork has gone but let's well, uh let's press on we'll press on 73 one of the first appearances of possibly one of marvel's most famous characters of all time it's the incredible hulk 181 and no, it's not the Hulk. It's Wolverine. That's right. With his badass whiskers and his <laughs> first appearance. Are you big? You big Wolverine guy? Yeah, Wolverine's one of my favorites. Um, he's, I mean, he's just so cool. The, the costume's cool. Everything about him's cool. His powers are cool. For a long time, I thought I always wanted, if I could choose one superpower, it would be to fly. But um, over the past- I feel uh, like flying has so many problems that, like, how cold do I get when I'm flying? Oh, yeah. How far and fast can I? Is it- also, is it taxing on me? Because if it's like running, then I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, if you want to think about that, I think it's effortless. Like, no, it's like running a marathon if you want to fly, you know, up That's town. what I'm saying. If I'm flying up in the sky, one, the air's thinner. My lung capacity is very low. Yeah. So I need, I need more thicker air. And if it's like running, dude, I'll just still drive. Exactly. Well, like, so like, I always thought I wanted to fly, but I, as um, over the past two years, I've unfortunately broken three bones in two years, and uh, I think I want that that fast healing. That healing ability is now looking <laughs> it, a lot better. It, the animanium bones wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> Dude, that would honestly, I think the superhuman healing might be an underrated superpower. People don't yeah. think. I mean, I don't want to be like a mortal, 
like oh i do for sure <laughs> if i could if a vampire could come in and bite me right now well, i'd live forever i was stuck because like wolverine's kind of badass he smokes he drinks like does he even get a buzz because i remember like in captain america he's like i can't even get a buzz because my liquor he- my liver heals itself yeah know? he's just dr- he just likes the taste of whiskey yeah so he's just like fuck it dude but yeah wolverine just houses cigars because he's like his body's just healing the cancer constantly. yeah he doesn't care <laughs> he just smokes the entire what a the more i think about it the more i like wolverine oh, i was yeah. kind of jaded by him from some of the Hugh Jackman he's roles. He's been overexposed. But he's, he's super cool, overexposed. But he's cool, you know? So is, but, but so is Batman, you know? But uh, Batman's cool. Agreed. But George Clooney Batman is the coolest. Never leave the cave without it. <laughs> um, who? All right. So with Wolverine obviously being one of the most popular X-Men, this being 73, his first appearance. Yeah. Um, do you want to see new... Or new actor playing Wolverine, live action, or are we benching Wolverine for a minute? I, I think I think he should just go on the bench for a little bit. You I, bench him oh, a little? I mean, it's like I said, I love Wolverine, but he's just kind of exposed. And Hugh Jackman just did such a good job. And getting back to Batman again, there's just been so many Batmans. These he hasn't the character hasn't had time to take a rest, and people yeah. get sick of it. Like, well, and I think with Batman too, you get a lot of different people playing Batman. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, with Wolverine, it's been Hugh Jackman for twenty years. Twenty years yeah. playing the same fucking character. It's amazing. I do want to mention with this book, though. Fun fact: a lot of people call this the first appearance, even though he actually appears in the very last panel of Hulk 180. And then oh, this 181 and then is, yeah, the actual it's just fight. really silly. So, like, you know, all your snobs like, well, technically the first appearance was in oh, 180. And uh, I can <laughs> only imagine how many times fucking comic book fans love a trivia question to be like, and what was the first appearance of Wolverine? And someone's like, oh, 181, Incredible Hulk. And someone's like, no, you fucking idiot. He was in the last panel of 180. You get hit with this one. Well, actually. Yeah, uh, actually, as he pushes <laughs> his glasses up. Fuck you, kid. But uh, <laughs> I will say this version of Wolverine definitely changes very quick. Yeah. As soon as you get to giant size X-Men. Yeah. And you kind of get the more traditional. I mean, he's still in his blue and yellow suit. But he's got the whiskers. He's got the whiskers. I've never seen it before. And it's the shorter ears. Uh, they are shorter too, yeah. I will I, say about this book, though, I've read it. It's not great. It's pretty boring. I, isn't the, it just the, a giant fight between... It's like a little fight, and then there, there's another monster involved. Like, uh, oh, it's uh, the, the Wendigo. Yeah, the Wendigo. Like, basically like a Yeti. Yeah, it's Canada's Yeti. Yeah. They're like, we call it a Wendigo up here, though. So also cool about Wolverine. He's the first Canadian superhero, and that was kind of part of the gimmick. Uh, when Which Len is Wine such a him. weird... I don't really consider it like... Hey, we really need to diversify the <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> Let's get a white guy. What if we get someone from Canada? And they're like, you're a genius. Yeah. Well, Canada was hot back then, I guess. Not really. I, I also don't get why he's... The Wolverine and then his costume don't correlate to me at all. No, not at all. I don't really under... Is I mean, it just because he has claws? He's got furry arms, you know? <laughs> well, that's just like... He's just a man, though. He just has, like, long man hair. Yeah. I was speaking of people playing Wolverine. You ever hear the, the they like they wanted Danny DeVito to play Wolverine at one point? Or, or there's, like... Like, people are like, well, yeah, he's he's built more like him. It would just make more sense. That is true, because that's the other thing about when you go from comic to movie. Yeah. The sizes of these people... Wolverine in the comics is, like... He's fucking, tiny. He's, like, 4'11". <laughs> 
Yeah, and that was a lot of people's big gripe because Hugh Jackman's six feet tall. So they they had they tried to do some tricks I heard to make him smaller, slightly shorter, like even just but a couple inches would help. But I, he can't be like towering over, you know. Well, he can't be towering, but also even if you do too much por- force perspective and he looks ultra small, it looks so fucking weird. It's like mini me playing fucking Wolverine, yeah. and you're just like. Who's scared of this? <laughs> Who's scared of this tiny man smoking a giant cigar? Yeah. Listen, bub. Listen here, bub. All right. So we will be moving on from our first appearance of Wolverine. If you have any more questions, you can fucking figure it out yourself. <laughs> um, we are going to move on to 72, which is the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes from the 32nd century, 31st century. They're from a thousand years in the future. So basically, what the Legions of Superheroes is, is a group of young heroes from a thousand years in the future that have basically all come together to not only come up with the world's stupidest fucking names for themselves, but to also just kind of be the Justice League of space. And the reason I say that is because literally all the names are just one adjective and then boy or girl okay for example even on the cover cosmic boy lightning boy saturn girl (laughs) like whoever thought of these names was just like just name anything and i'm gonna put boy or girl after it and we'll just go on and off yeah i mean not not the most creative i'll i'll give them i'll give you that but i will say legion of superheroes has lasted the test of time I want to say there was a Legion of Superheroes cartoon show. I know back in the day, short-lived. They did a Timverse movie, which was uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Four? Uh, Something like that. But I know they did. They've just been around. It's not something I'm super into. I don't know how you feel about. Yeah, I'd rather. I mean, it's like Justice League, right? I mean, it's Justice League except less creative. Yeah, and you have no connection to any of the characters. Yeah, like I don't care about Cosmic Boy. I'm sorry. Yeah, everyone. Every time they're in a comic, to me, it just seems like they're a background thing that they've just fucked up something in the future and have to come back in time to fix it. Stay out of our time, okay? Stay out of our... You're from the 31st century, and you fucking stay there. <laughs> so, now with being done with the Legion of Superheroes, we're going to move on to 71, which we were talking about yesterday. Love the artwork. Love the style of this book. Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one. Who is Scorpio? <laughs> That's a subtitle to it. Yeah, so those of you guys that don't know this book... Um, just littered with 60s pop culture stuff you know just the kind of cool psychedelic stuff with the mod vibes you know it's very cool but now this was done by jim steranko um i believe he did the first six issues and the artwork is just tremendous it is really just a super cool cover to look at yeah was this coming out the same time as the underground comics the four furry brothers i would say so yeah it was right around that time so this is basically maybe a little before i was gonna say this is kind of just that cleaner look yeah if you would say the underground comics were more of like a rough translation of what underground art looked like yeah i think this was just a cleaner version of psychedelic rock getting turned into uh a comic book. Yeah, I mean, this is more uh, pop art. You're Andy Warhol. This exactly. one's more Velvet Underground. 100%. Freak Brothers are more Grateful Dead. <laughs> I, I fuck with that analogy. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. There you go. Boom. It's way more Lou Reed. Yes. Um, but you were saying 
that when they were creating this, they basically just picked Nick Fury off a whim. So, he had yeah, Starenko wanted to do art, and he wanted to do a, a book. And they're like, he's like, yeah, just give me some work. And they're like, they get through him a strange tale. like, all right, you can do one of these guys. Like, oh, I'd like... I like this guy. He's got an eye patch. He looks cool. So he wrote for Nick Fury, and he kind of developed the character. And obviously, like James Bond and stuff like that was real yeah. popular. So he's there's a lot of espionage vibes. And I think that's the cool thing about. Well, one, it's cool that Nick Fury just becomes the central character in most. Uh, he's the linchpin of the Marvel universe yeah. almost. Whether it's traditional classic Nick Fury or the Ultimates, I don't know if what Nick Fury looks like in regular 616 Marvel Universe, uh-huh. but the Sam Jackson-based version. Yeah. Like, Nick Fury, weirdly, has always been on the forefront of Marvel. Like, he's always in the mix. And this is definitely the reason why to me is they made him important super early on. Yeah. And he just always kind of stayed there. Yeah. And he looks fucking cool, dude. He just looks cool. He's a he's a pirate captain of superheroes with an eye patch. And who the fuck doesn't want that? That's right. Plus, there's a sick version of Dum Dum Dugan on here, which, if you remember from Captain America First Avenger, okay. it is played by, fuck, I'm not going to remember the actor's name now, but he always wears a bowler hat. Oh, oh, is he one of the... the it, he's one of the Holland Commandos. Yeah. His name is, damn. I know who you're talking about, yeah. It's not Dylan McDermott. No, it's not. Of the names, it's not. It's not Dylan McDermott. But yeah, I do love. He's in that book? Dum Dum Dugan, right? Booyakasha, right under there at the bottom. Nice. So yeah, it's it's nice that this developed a lot of those characters that are even background characters we see today that did have major parts in Marvel prior to movies and prior to all that fun stuff. Yeah. All right, let's move on to number 70. So we were talking about Alan Moore earlier with our Swamp Thing comics. Now we are going to switch over to one of his peers, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So the Sandman number one. Um, DC comic came out, I want to say, in the early... I want to say it was like early, early, late 90s kind of. Um, But they did about 75 comic run series the whole idea is basically neil gaiman exploring emotions in the dc world and kind of giving things like dream and empathy and death more physical bodies so from what i remember of the series it's basically these characters kind of drifting in and out from whether it's more main title superheroes or it's more of just random people in the dc universe so this book also went on to be one of the first books that switched over to that same Vertigo imprint. Okay. When DC, because it's always just been a more adult-themed book, just because it deals with more complex subjects of kind of, you know, interpersonal struggles and, you know, just people feeling emotions in general. It's not like the first thing you teach kids to be like, here's what empathy is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's a seminal book. I actually just got one at a thrift store. So oh, no kidding. I'm going to be rereading it. You can definitely borrow it if you want. But yeah, it's a classic to me. I mean, even the artwork on it is just, it's sick. It's, it's, it doesn't look like a comic it's book. Not a, sure. It's not comic book artwork, which is what I super fuck with, where it's something that if I could get one of these framed, you would never know that it was 
Hold on, pause it real quick. Yeah. And we're back. Sorry, that was a strange gentleman at the door trying to come in and join the podcast, but I told him, you don't know shit about comics, dude. <laughs> so we sent him away. Yeah. He knows even less than I do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, with Sandman, I think that kind of sums up what we were talking about. There's, It's just a great book. It's a, the first time uh, DC kind of jumped into doing adult comics, I think. And yeah. really, like, just leaned into it heavy and let the art just kind of go wherever and not have to be that straightforward like panel style did we i know we mentioned this once before is there any relation between the metallica song in this book were no they sadly did that i think man that's a good question i would be so upset if this comic was based off metallica <laughs> i mean it's kind of dark and spooky cover you know, it, I don't know it's true what if it just had a black cover with a black snake on it i'd be like oh i know i've seen that before maybe it is metallica <laughs> um so we will move on to classic number 69, yes, which nice. is Mouse. I have not read Mouse. I know loosely about it. Um, basically, what is anthropomorphic might be the right word. Okay. Mouse, mice that seem like people. Yes, um, yes. So they're anthropomorphic mice kind of living in a Nazi regime type scenario. Um, I think this book was definitely made. I'm pretty sure the Nazis in this are cats. Yeah. And then, yeah, all the regular, everyone else is mice. And yeah, it just kind of goes through a reimagining of that situation in a comic book format. Makes it a little more readable. Yeah, I think it's more readable. And I think it's, I think it's able to show the true horrors of those situations without having to be ultra graphic. Yeah, exactly. And it can kind of, separate you from the horrors that way of just like the gore factor yeah which is you know obviously a true to like thing but if you're going through a comic it's like yeah if you see it through mice and cats you kind of get a more rounded view of it than mm-hmm. just like actually what happened yeah i mean this book is well respected it's not oh, just it's, like i'm a sure puff piece you know? yeah it's an eisner winner it's definitely done it's sits in the history books I would even say at 69, I thought it was kind of low yeah. on the list. I thought it would be a lot more higher up there just because so many people, especially when it came out, I think it was fucking huge. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure people were talking about this. I thing. mean, they, they do it in such a good way that it's not cartoony. It's not um, insulting to what happened. It, it, yeah. It's not like fucking Fievel goes west. It's like. <laughs> it's, which also has that same vibe. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's almost like a darker version of that. If Five Will Goes West was a comic that was made for, you know, young adults or mature audiences. Yeah. It kind of has that vibe. Five wasn't, they wouldn't even, like, say that Five Will was Jewish, but he was clearly Jewish. Yeah, wasn't because wasn't Five Will Goes West kind of a fucked up movie? Well, that's the sequel. What's the sequel? That's the, the, uh, the oh, first one the original? is just called American Tale. And oh, that's, really? He's in New York. Yeah. And then he goes out west. Whoa. You know, uh, what do they call that? Uh, uh uh manifest destiny fuck yeah <laughs> dude i love that we just came up with a word to just be like hey anything we walk on is ours yeah and they're like yeah it's manifest destiny dude have you ever heard of it and they're like we don't even speak english what's that mean <laughs> they're like it's a word we just made up and it means this land's ours it means i'm smarter than you <laughs> see i was never i don't even know if i've seen american tale or fifle goes west I was more a great mouse detective guy. Oh, that's a good one. 
That's a good one. That and... Dude, mice were fucking huge in the 90s. Yeah, there's a lot of mice cartoons. Well, like, so I'm a big Don Bluth fan, and okay. he's the animator that used to work for Disney that made American Tale, but his first film was actually um, uh, Secrets of Nim, also with mites, mice and rats. So. That's what I'm saying. Dude, you got <laughs> He se- was really good at drawing, drawing mice. I think everyone back then, I wonder if it was because Mickey Mouse and everyone was trying to capitalize off that, because they had, uh, what was it? The rescuers down under. Yeah, yeah. The re- yeah the first rescuers though came out in the seventies. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's always been cartoon mice. I mean Tom and Jerry. I mean it's just what an easy. I wonder why. What a cash grab. I mean fucking mice are gross, dude. Black plague. <laughs> dude, what do you? People need to get over Ugh, themselves. Unreal. All right, let's jump into sixty-eight. Before we do that, we're gonna do a quick time check to make uh, sure that we are not running into we're good. our. I think we're gonna problem. do this one, and then we'll do number uh, sixty-seven, one of my personal favorites. All righty, so let's jump into sixty-eight with the Caddy Keen comic number one by popular demand. Here's Caddy Keen, <laughs> and I only know that because it says on the front. Let's see what else we got here on the front. I'm not familiar with Caddy Join Keen. the Caddy Keen Fashion Contest in this magazine and win a beautiful hand-painted Caddy Keen scarf or Caddy Keen tie. Look inside for full details. So this, again, looks like just <laughs> Is an... a catalog? Er, it looks like a fucking catalog. I mean, one, doesn't seem great that it has a fashion cont- contest in it and it's just like a solely based for like girls' book-looking thing. Um, but it definitely seems like it has that early Wonder Woman vibe. Oh, this is a, is this this Archie? Is it an Archie? It says some uh, Archie Giant Series annuals. Oh, it might be. Oh, oh, yeah, it's, it's in that Archie verse, I think. See, I never got into, Archie always seemed stupid as fuck to me. (laughs) But you know what's funny as I watched. You're thinking of Jughead. (laughs) (laughs) They're both stupid. But I did watch the whole series so far. Riverdale? Riverdale. I didn't get into Riverdale. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely for like sixteen-year-old girls and me, and <laughs> I think we all love it. It's got fucking the kid from, uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody in it. Oh, okay. That dude crushes it. The one chick who's in it who plays, I'm gonna say Veronica. I don't know which one's yeah. which, Betty or Veronica, but maybe she plays Betty. Uh, but she's from Westlake, Ohio. Oh, nice. Yeah, so someone I'm sure... We'll get her on the podcast. Yeah, we'll get her on the podcast. uh, Not next episode, but probably one of the ones after. (laughs) And we'll get into Riverdale with her. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't really know a ton about Caddy Keen. I honestly, it seems like one of those comics that kind of helped push forward more women being on the front and center of comics. Obviously, back in the day, they had to make it very kind of campy i guess and have it have fashion contests and dumb shit like that yeah there were a lot of comics like that where they just kind of i think they just played off of like what they thought kids wanted yeah so you know all these young boys were probably getting com- young girls can get comics too yeah what if we give them a pan painted scarf or a tie <laughs> for ladies who like ties and this was gets back to what we were talking about getting out of like wartime comics and you got a wartime in general. They're like, we need some more mellow books. We yeah, need some Archie's. I think they were just trying to have more fun with everything yeah. and take more risks. So that way they could, Peanuts. they want to see where, yeah, they want to see where their fucking audience was at. Yeah. Like <clears throat> prior with war comics, it was all just one tone. And even when it wasn't war stuff, it was fucking Westerns and like all that. other. Oh yeah. Bullshit. The Western comics. Yeah. So it was all just very 
leaning towards like you know young boys i think and kind of almost like you were saying before it's like almost these propaganda-esque looking covers that they're like hey if you join the war you're gonna ride on top of a tank with a machine gun (laughs) shirtless and you're gonna fucking kill a bunch of people it's like yeah that's not what war is nope so yeah i think it just has a fun campy cover it it looks all right and 2004 is worth 1200 bucks oh okay so if someone has one i'll take it yeah um, but then, damn, this is, I just looked up the numbers on this next one for historical value and it's so crazy. Is it really? Uh, number 67 going to be our last book for the day. It is one that I'm guessing anyone who's read comics is at least slightly familiar with, which is Batman, the dark Knight returns your thoughts, feelings, opinions. Oh, so uh, Batman's one of my favorites, and um, we mentioned Frank Miller before with Daredevil and all that, Classic. but he, he changed the game with this Batman uh, book. Um, for those of you who don't know, Batman plays an older version of Bruce Wayne. Oh, grizzled as fuck, Very dude. grizzled, very gray. He's and killing he, people in this one. Uh, yeah, and it's it's it, it doesn't hold anything back. It's And then there's a lot of cool stuff with the uh, those, the mutants. The mutants? Like well, I, I love the mutants in it because Slice it's just the dice? coolest... It's the coolest version of punks. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing anytime anyone draws or tries to create a punk look in anything because it's always just the most extreme version. It's yeah. never just like a normal looking guy who's like, uh, I kind of like uh, Sex Pistols. <laughs> so I'm a punk, I guess. But no. no, it's like a dude with like a sunglass that's just one giant bar and sharp teeth. And yeah, he's like sh- filed all of his teeth down and he's got like a mohawk and Batman just clobbers him in the fucking face yeah it, and it's visually cool frank miller's art is just really different than did, anything so else. he uh did the art and the yeah and the writing for it huh yeah, yeah dude because this the thing about dark knight returns is there are a million and one references to it in anything ever related to batman always has some kind of weird batman the dark knight returns i mean you're Ben Affleck in Justice League and Batman v Superman yeah. literally has almost panels ripped from it exactly. with Batman and Superman fighting um, using, you know, spears or whatever Kryptonian bullshit. Yeah. And like the vehicle he drives is really similar to the Nolan it, tank. Exactly. So it's like, I think this version of Batman being a dark and gritty realistic version is leaning is what a lot of people are taking reference points from now when they looked to Batman. Yeah. Because Joel Schumacher wasn't reading The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> he was reading, like, Batman Fights the Polka Dot Man from, like, 1961. Yeah. And then in the Batman TV show, you know, this isn't that. This yeah. This is it's, just way it's different. It's the exact opposite. I yeah. think it was a tonal change of Frank Miller being like, if Batman did exist, he'd be super fucked up. Right. Because Batman is just a complete psychopath. In general, where his whole life's just been focused around getting what he calls justice or other people call revenge. And, um, you know, that's what actually portrays, like, that's what people want to see now is, like, this complex, fucked-up character. Everyone wants this deep, brooding person. No one wants, like, campy, you know, I got skates in the bottom of my boots, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, could he be drunk sitting in a chair alone? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got a 10-minute scene, baby. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. Zero dialogue. It's just him looking at Alfred. Um, and they also introduce a female Robin character into the world. Uh, Carrie? It's got to say in there. Oh, my gosh. It's Carrie something. 
Yeah, so this is the first version of um, Carrie Kelly. Yeah. Is the first version of a female Batman, uh, or not Batman, female Robin. The second version of a female Robin was actually Stephanie Brown. Oh, okay. Who was, spoiler, has kind of played a couple of characters in the Bat family type thing. But from my knowledge, those are the only two female Robins they've ever had. Okay. But I don't think that the Dark Knight is technically canon. I think it's just a standalone, one-off type of thing. Yeah, I've never seen Carrie Kelly in any other sort of No, but they do do a super good version of the Dark Knight Returns on the Batman the Animated Series. Oh, really? Yeah, there is a weird episode of them. I think it's kids telling stories. Huh. So I don't think it's an exact rip, obviously, because I can't remember that. One, that was I've a scene. I'm like, oh, that was a kid show, and yeah. this comic has Batman and Superman killing people, right? Pretty brutally. <laughs> so they didn't step on anyone's heads in the animated. But I swear, <laughs> I remember because I remember being like, "Whoa, these punks yeah, look so cool!" Like as a I've kid. heard this before. Yeah, that it still exists, and um, I'd like to get that a rewatch because I wonder how close, like, what beats they have to hit, and which ones they're like. Maybe we don't have him just being, like, the most grizzled old motherfucker yeah. of all time. Because I don't think he was very nice to people. No. In The Dark Knight <laughs> Returns. And I think, also, Christopher Nolan took a lot from this. Yeah, he did. And even even Tim Burton, you know. Yeah, I mean. Uh, we can even see Bruce Timm. Because, like, I, and I, he took a lot from, like, the comics in general. Yeah. Which was cool. Like, one of my favorite characters that he kind of revamped, Bruce Timm, that is, in the animated series was, um, was Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul, whichever Ra- yeah. you prefer. Yeah. Um, and Ray the whole, slash Roz. The, 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 the Lazarus Pit. Like, that was kind of like... Yeah. A, it's, a, it's a good comic. I think Denny O'Neill did that one. Well, but, I think uh, the... They made it into, like, a two-part episode. And it was really good. Yeah. And I, I think that that is the rebirth of Ray slash Raz al Ghul. Yeah. Of being... Because now he's in fucking everything, too. Yeah. And you he's in him. Arkham City, like we were talking he's about. He's in Arkham day. City. He's in um, Batman Beginnings. He's in the Arrowverse. And now he's got all these daughters, too, that... Damian Wayne is the son of Batman, current yeah. Robin, and that's Talia al Ghul's uh, son, son as well. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that is a great point of them kind of bringing back those characters. These the Batman animated the mutants make an appearance on that Gotham show. Really? Yeah. I, I and, and I don't really watch the show. I just happened to be looking up one day. It was like on at the bar or something. I'm like, oh, <laughs> good bar show by the way. Yeah, I just happened to be on. I think like a football game ended. Or Hopefully, something. you guys have all seen all the episodes of this to stay up to date. Yeah, and I just saw like those like that visor sunglasses. Yeah. And sharp teeth. I'm like those are the mutants. Like they had like red eyes and shit. That show was such a weird. I would say disappointment. But it's just such a fucking weird version of a show. Yeah, I've heard it had some ups and downs. Well, they did. They try to do all these characters, and the timeline just doesn't work. I know they're working on a current Batman prequel show for HBO Max that originally had the one of the directors or showrunners attached to it was had worked on Boardwalk Empire prior. Oh, yeah. So he just left due to uh, creative differences, which basically means they weren't going to let him do what he wanted. But I think those Batman prequel shows just aren't that fucking interesting, honestly. No, the reason Gotham's cool is because of Batman. Batman's the reason that you have supervillains. Like, him doing that spurs everyone else into like, all right, motherfucker, if you're going to wear a costume, dude, I'll wear a costume too, man. <laughs> Before him, everyone was just like, dude, you can wear street clothes. It wasn't like a 
you know, dress up event to commit a crime. Yeah. And then Batman came in and they're like, now I got to get a fucking green jumpsuit with question marks all over it and find a fucking gimmick. Right. Can it's I like, just rob a bank? Can I just rob a bank like a regular person? We'll put on some masks. I got, I a, I got a sack with a dollar sign on it. Let's yeah, make this I got, happen. I got an old-timey sack with a dollar sign, and I got an old-timey Tommy gun with the round on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to rob a bank, okay? I don't want to have to ask a riddle. Like, think about all the prep a Batman villain has to do before a crime. You're right. To be like, hey, dude, I need you to drop off some clues before we go rob the <laughs> some bank. Some clues. And they're like, why would we drop off clues? He's like, because I love fucking riddles, man. <laughs> like, doesn't that, don't you think we'll get caught if you leave riddles lying around? And he's like, dude, I'm in charge. That's why I wear the main green suit. And you wear the backup green suit. <laughs> That's right. All right. So fucking trust me. We're not going to get caught. I mean, who signs the, the paycheck? Riddler. Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Don't when forget. You, when you cash it in at Chase, they're just like. Yeah, we can't take this. <laughs> Uh, this is made out. This is signed over by the Riddler, and he's like, "Yeah, no, that should be the Riddler." Just does he have a last name? It's just Riddler. It's just it should be under just the Riddler. I believe. <laughs> I think the is his first name. <laughs> oh, and the check is in the shape of a question mark. I love. Um, before we start wrapping this up here, I will do a quick little plug on if you have not watched the Harley Quinn animated show now on HBO Max completely worth watching oh okay it's a more mature show but it's new it's new i think they got two seasons so far but the nice thing about it is it's not i hate the fucking family guy american dad style like where it's just everything's so off the wall all the time okay this does have an overarching storyline it's kind of you know big bad of the week it takes almost that buffy style approach to it where it's you know Main villain for the episode or main problem of the episode, and then overarching thing going on. Now, is it like supposed to be funny or is it more it's, serious? No, it's definitely funny. They make fun of like the Bane voice. It's nice, hilarious. You got JB Smooth plays one of Poison Ivy's oh, uh, plants. Oh, I'll definitely watch. Yeah, that. <laughs> it's a fucking. It's so good. I watched the first season. They get Larry David in there too. <laughs> it's seriously you're watching and you're like, dude, this is a, and it brings up so many funny points in the Gotham like mythos. That when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, how how do they get henchmen? Right. And they yeah, just have like a sting thing where it's like, or she's at a bar and she's like, she's like, who wants to join me on a mission where you're not certainly going to die? Yeah. And, what, what was that about not dying? <laughs> and another dude's like, just get in the black hole, okay? <laughs> well, yeah, and what does it pay? You know, I know crime can pay well. But <laughs> yeah, but... Honestly, most Batman villains aren't even stealing shit that's valuable to, like, a regular criminal. They're like, we've stolen a weather manipulation machine. A regular criminal's like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Well, these Batman henchmen, you know, they know they're not going to die because Batman doesn't kill people, but he's probably just going to break your neck. Oh, yeah. How <laughs> Batman has probably killed so many people from just long-term side effects. Oh, one hit to the head. He's like, well, I'll just leave him in this gutter. Someone will help him. Yeah. Uh, he's like, face, please, he's face down soon. in a puddle. He should be fine. <laughs> How many people have CTE just because of Batman? They're like, dude, I get thrown off a building two times a week. Yeah. My brain is completely mush. I can only be a henchman or work at a fucking Jamba Juice. Is that what it, it's CTE? That's the name of the... Yeah, that's... Do you remember we were talking about that We were trying Rory? to figure it out yeah. the other day. We were like, what's the disease you get hit in the head a lot? And uh, with concussions, and Rory was like... Uh, Parkinson's and you were like no it's it's <laughs> definitely not Parkinson's 
I don't even know. Yeah. But it's definitely CTE that Batman has caused. And think about infections, dude. Yeah. What? You sterilizing all these uh, batarangs. batarangs afterwards, <laughs> man? And how, like, how many kids in the city just have batarangs in their room? Right. Because you're not going to get them. No. I'm sure they're just lying all over town. It's like fucking dirty needles in the streets yeah. of Gotham. It's just batarangs all over I mean, the place. I mean, it's nice that this new show, this Harley Quinn show, kind of poke holes it, in this it stuff. It absolutely does. And it just brings up points that you're like, yeah, this is... It just makes light of a lot of the really stupid things that at least comic fans tend to look over. Yeah. Because we're buying into, you know, whoa, uh, Batman Dark Knight is so realistic. And then someone's like, no, it's fucking not realistic. Yeah. Well, that's why Watchmen's great because it's like in, their, in that book, it's, you know, superheroes become illegal. Vigilantism is yeah. illegal. Because, like, you know, that's how it would really go down. Be like, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 we can't have this. The and, only superheroes they let. Like, now we have the fucking internet superheroes that are just morons in Seattle. Who yeah, are like, I've seen that one guy. I'm Captain Mop. And yeah. they just run around and do drugs. Yeah. They're not stopping a real crime. There's not, like, a gang member who's like, oh, fuck, dude. Captain Mop just ran into the trap. Never happened. He doesn't have a signal on the roof. Yeah, he doesn't have a signal. The cops TV. haven't been like, mm, I know we don't have a ton of money, but maybe we allocate some of it towards making a giant light. We could shine in the sky for my and, man and hope that they see it and come help us. What a lack of faith in your police force. And by the way, taxes will be going up. Yeah, taxes <laughs> will be going up. We need to pay for this mop light. And we're also going to be getting a lot more city damage. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to end that at 67. little sneak peek for everyone next week. Ooh. Coming in at 66, we're going to have... Hulk number one and 65. We got Plastic Man number one. Oh, dude, Plastic Man. I love Plastic Very Man, but they're doing, they're talking about doing a movie with a female, a plastic woman. Okay. So we'll see. But that is it for today. Uh, as per usual, make sure you're checking us out on SoundCloud, Podbean, following us on Instagram at Threads and Dreads Podcast. Now on Spotify er- as well. Threads and Dreads pod. Um, if you'd like to support, we do have the Venmo cash app open. We're always trying to get more equipment, maybe even have three mics available for a third person to be on the podcast. Um, but yeah, any questions, comments, concerns, always feel free to hit us up on Instagram and we will talk to you guys next time. Peace.